Welcome back to Cather's Corner. If this is your first episode, welcome. My name is Kirsten, and you're listening to A Quiet Corner of the Internet, where we talk about our feelings and thoughts and how we can grow into better humans. Make sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you like to listen from to never miss an episode every Monday. And if you want to stay updated on the show or me in general, I'm at Catharaxia everywhere that matters. Just type it into Google, and I'll be right there. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I feel like for the past 18 episodes or so, minus the playlist one, anxiety has kind of been a looming shadow in the corner of all of them. And I want to preface this episode by saying I don't have the answers. I don't think any of us really do. And that kind of sucks because I I kind of just want everything to be fixed and better and to be like this powerful shining beacon of hope and sanctitude or whatever then I'm not I'm scared all the time (laughs) and so is everyone else so I thought for today it'd be good to just talk about anxiety because I've been dealing with it for as long as I can remember And you may have noticed I didn't even take a moment to talk about what's going on in the world because, no offense, but who cares? (laughs) If you care, you know already. I don't need to tell you. I, unless I decide to do an episode about something specific, I'm going to just not do current events right now. Because if I'm being honest with myself, I know I don't keep up with things on the daily very closely outside whatever pops up on my Twitter feed or my Instagram story feed or my New York Times daily newsletter thing. And it's a lot. So for the sake of avoiding info fatigue, I will pretty much not be addressing too in-depth at all current events from here on out. Unless I feel like they need to be talked about, like with certain episodes, like I've done in the past, but no more. Today, we're just focusing on anxiety, which I know is ironic, considering it's, I don't know, anxiety. Let's go ahead and get into it. So, I don't want to make this podcast like a therapy session for me at any point because that's not fun to listen to but I distinctly remember the first moment of hyper awareness that I had ever experienced and I was about three and in preschool and I just remember I really needed to use the bathroom but my teacher was talking and in the back of my brain I was like, oh, well, I can't because she's talking. And if I interrupt her while she's talking, then I'm being a nuisance. And who am I to be a nuisance to this teacher that's just trying to do her job? Which is like a weirdly, it's a weird reaction for a kid to have. That's not normal, I don't think, based on conversations I've had with other people. But I feel like that scenario kind of sums up the entirety of my life. This whole pattern of waiting until I'm not the nuisance, needing that green light or a sign or just permission to do things because 
I have this ongoing struggle of trusting my intuition because for me at this current point in my life, my anxiety and my intuition have taken on the same voice and it makes it very hard to trust my instinct about certain things without getting external validation. And on top of that, I also have a tendency to take note of everyone else's needs and desires before my own, which I also know is a direct manifestation of my anxiety. And when I say it like that, it makes it sound kind of selfless, which is ironic because anxiety isn't a very selfless state of being. It's probably the most self-indulgent state of being you could be in similar to narcissism which we use like the word narcissism pretty flippantly for anyone who's like full of themselves and kind of an arrogant prick but narcissism in the more disordered sense is a personality disorder where you're so delusional about your place in the world you think the world revolves around you or that you are godlike to some distinction, but it really just comes from a constant creeping notion that you don't matter and that you're secretly inferior. So you develop this insane superiority complex, mind my language, and it becomes disordered and sort of takes over your life and relationships. And I think anxiety in a similar way does the same thing, but instead of thinking that you're the most amazing thing that's ever happened and everyone is below you, you are constantly worried about being the worst and being a nuisance to everyone around you and it puts the same strain on relationships if you're not careful and if you're not aware of that possibility. And even if you are, it can still do the same thing. I feel like my brain is a constant record of what I could be doing to be less shit in every possible, conceivable way of that phrase having meaning. (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that, but just on loop. And like I could sit here and blame gifted programs or having parents that had very high expectations of me or teachers that overvalidated my work because I feel like anxiety and sort of this complicated relationships our society, Western society or just society in general, you decide, has with anxiety is that productivity, that perfectionist thing and having that be validated as a good thing from such a young age I don't think was very good for me in my development but no matter what cause you can link it to the reality is for me at least is that it's here and it's kind of leaked into every aspect of my existence like when I was reflecting well because I like to write scripts uh, for the show because it just makes it cleaner and less rambly. I was thinking about how my relationship with anxiety has kind of evolved and when I was younger it was definitely centered around school. I 
have always been a straight A student until like I had like a B in sixth grade because of pre-algebra or whatever and then after that I didn't get lower than a B lower than an A until like junior year of high school because of course but like when I was younger it was definitely centered around school and the need to be high achieving in school so as I got older from being in elementary school and was like middle school middle grade years it kind of spread into my friendships this kind of same overachieving perfectionist approach to friendships and if my friendships weren't the exact replica or map of the perfect friendship then they weren't good and that whole need to be as accommodating and people pleasing and just fit as perfectly into whatever people wanted me to be at the time or whatever image people had of me at the time definitely um fucked with my stability to put it very simply and then later on in high school when I finally to a certain degree got over that because the reality is is that I haven't gotten over either of these things right I still have a tendency to be an overachiever in school and I still have a tendency to struggle with friendships very closely related to my anxiety and then in high school it started to take over how I viewed the future and how I viewed what I wanted in the future, my future self, and the whole idea of self-improvement and growth, which is really ironic because I remember in high school they started implementing the whole growth mindset thing instead of the fixed mindset thing, which was a roundabout way of them admitting that they'd caused like a whole generation of kids to develop like at least like low-grade anxiety about school. And the whole idea was like, oh, instead of being like, well, I can't do it because I did it wrong or whatever, I did badly on this assignment, so I can't do the thing, you have to look at it and then see how you can improve. And fine, okay. But as someone who is constantly on edge about that sort of thing all the time, I feel like my brain has kind of come to associate self-improvement from a perfectionist standpoint of like I'm going to improve as much as I can so I can be the perfect version of myself the absolute best version of myself that way this this, and this will be finally solved and that's not reality but my brain doesn't process that like I'm saying that to you right now and my brain is like okay whatever (laughs) but I'm in college now and Things have changed quite a lot, which I'm happy with. How I react to certain situations and process them has shifted a lot. And I think um, I'm at a point in my life where I would probably fall under high-functioning anxiety or the idea that the disordered thinking doesn't inhibit my life. Because usually, quick little psych lesson, When we talk about mental health disorders, what qualifies it as a disorder, how you diagnose a mental health disorder is how much it sort of infiltrates or inhibits your ability to live a high quality of life. So if you think about depression, if you are struggling with depression 
and you're having like extreme weight fluctuations or you're lacking sleep or you're not able to get out of bed and just perform basic functions and that's where we get into depression being a disorder from a diagnosis standpoint versus someone who still might have depression but is still able to function so similarly with anxiety while I still have the thought patterns that are very closely associated with anxiety in a way that is definitely disordered, I'm at a point in my life, and I think I always have been at a point where I would be high-functioning to where while mentally I am slowly decaying, I'm able to still go and do things and be perfectly fine, <laughs> which is very fun. What the hell was I saying? Kenrick, please don't make a much of noise. Kenrick, don't be making a bunch of noise. I'm trying to record. I'm recording. I'm recording, so you can't be clanging stuff around. But yeah, so high functioning anxiety, how a lot of people tend to view it is the whole idea of perfectionism. And a lot of times in our society, these traits that are associated with high functioning anxiety are almost considered, um, what's the, like, like something that you'd want to achieve, something that you want to use because it provides steam power towards getting things done. I put doing air quotes as I speak and I hate it because that's A, not true, and B, it makes it a lot harder to sort of work out of that mindset because it proves effective again and again. So I've said all this and I'm talking about myself and you're probably like okay so why do I talk about this today specifically well this week I realized uh, while I was doing my usual musings about like my life and where I'm at right now because my introspective ass just likes overanalyzing any everything and anything um I realized that my previous understanding of my anxiety is a still um it's still very present in my life whereas before this week i kind of had this mindset that i have like gotten over it to some degree and b it's going to be a lot harder to manage moving forward than i had originally thought so before we take a break here i thought it would still be worth brainstorming future strategies that over time might help quiet this sort of broken record in my brain since you know i might as well attempt to find solutions and provide solutions while i'm here so for today um i need to focus on small sets of tasks for the day and take care of myself versus beating myself up over not doing more or this or that, you know, because it doesn't really do anything. I have, I struggle a lot with focus because 
I am constantly anxious about not doing enough, so my brain is constantly throwing stuff at me that I could be doing to fill the time, and then I get kind of debilitated and sit there, whereas it'd just be better to have like three things that are my goal, and then like making sure I'm eating and hydrating and getting exercise if that's the plan, and making sure I sleep the amount I need to sleep. And if I even I don't get those three things done, it's still fine because I'm taking care of my basic needs, which is something I struggle with. Uh, for this month, I'm gonna try and learn to distinguish between my intuition and anxiety. My anxiety, like I said before, did I say this before? I don't know. Uh, I don't think I did actually. Um, fun fact about me, my anxiety and my intuition voices um, in my brain because that's how my thoughts articulate themselves in like full sentences. Um, they sound the same, <laughs> like the tone is the same, the phrasing is the same. So a lot of times if I'm not careful and I'm not paying attention, I'll end up listening to my anxiety over my intuition. And so I need to get better at really distincting the two. And then also for this month, I need to get out of the habit of self-checking all the time because I kind of do it obsessively. Uh, what I mean by that is like constantly in my brain being like, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? What's wrong? Are you okay? Uh, because hearing that out loud, like that's annoying, right? It sounds like a nagging like mom. <laughs> it sounds like a nagging like caretaker just like, are you okay? Did you eat enough? Like, it's fine. And I'm sure for some people, it's exactly what they need. For me, it's becoming the bane of my existence because it's so obsessive. And when I ask myself those questions, I find problems where they don't exist. And it's just bad. I need to get out of the habit of doing that and find other ways to check in with myself that aren't manifesting like little wormholes of thought. For this year, um, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll see a therapist, maybe I'll set boundaries and, you know, focus on my own path, or maybe I'll let go of the notion that caring looks obsessive and comes from obligation. I, again, like I said earlier before, I don't really give a shit at the moment because, you know what, the world is becoming uninhabitable and we're entering into a trade war during a pandemic. And our president is trying to suppress the vote through the post office of all places. And it's like, I like people choose capitalism every day over human decency because we're all scared, traumatized babies in adult sized skin suits. So I'll figure myself out when I figure myself out. <laughs> but enough of all that. Let me take a moment to share what's been making me feel alright, but first, a quick word from my sponsor. Alright homies, for my favorites of this week. Why did I have to say anyways? For the favorites of this week, I have Dreamland, a new album by The Glass Animals. It is dreamy, as is the title. 
And so soothing and like the perfect driving while drowning soundtrack. Ooh, I got like a chill just then. Sorry. Yes, the perfect driving while drowning soundtrack. I love it. And I love the descriptions because on Spotify, if you have Spotify, which you should because it's a superior streaming app. Um, the like artist kind of put some descriptions on like the songwriting process in there and some of the backstory for the songs and it's just really interesting and the visuals are cool and I love it. I love the project. It's awesome. Would recommend. Um, second this week for my favorites of the day that have been helping me feel a little alright with all this anxiety stuff happening. Um, website building. Um, think of this as my way of trying to manifest a Squarespace sponsorship because I've been working on a website who's Squarespace and it's been making me feel productive, which is, you know, that I, it's not great <laughs> that productivity eases my anxiety. Like, it's not a good correlation, so I should probably, like, take a moment at some point to reflect on why that is. You know, like, the answers are kind of obvious based on what we've already said. But the thing is, it's making me feel productive, even though it's also one of my primary sources of stress at the moment. But I've been working on it because I want a haven for all the stuff that I do, and I want to make it easier for people to find the stuff that I do. And I've been wanting one for like four years now. So I'm making a website through Squarespace and I'm almost done with it and I'm hecka excited about it. Third on the list is Friend Chat. I am really glad that I have developed the habit of checking in with my friends for the most part. I'm also glad that I have friends that are better at checking in than I am <laughs> because your girl gets drained, your girl gets uh, anxious about, you know, whether or not they like come to realize they actually hate me or something, even though like we're super close and good and that's probably unlikely to happen. But I've been having a lot of friend chats recently, checking in on people, seeing how everyone's doing, and it's just really nice to connect with people I'm close with and who get me and I get them and sort of like just everyone's lives are so different and there's so much to learn from each other and gain from each other and even when there's not it's just a grand old time and I just it's really nice to have friendships where you feel safe in especially since like I said earlier I've always like struggled with friendships just with like that constant feeling of like I don't know if they'll like this or that or like just turbulent relationships with people so I appreciate that I've been able to keep in contact with my friends especially since most of them I can't even see in person <laughs> because they're either not in the state or you know social distancing and self-isolating which I respect so it's been nice to be able to call and text and just check in with each other and make sure everyone's doing okay during this what 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 are all the emails saying these unprecedented times if i see that phrase one more time 
It's on site. On site. <laughs> and on that note, on that note, <laughs> let's get back into anxiety because I want to talk a bit about these Instagram answers. Alright, so before I, let me open my notes again, before I get back into how anxiety has kind of been more prevalent in my life recently and my like new understanding of that and such, I want to talk a bit about these Instagram polls and the discussion we had in the past 24 hours, I like to try and put up questions on my Instagram story a few days before the podcast, so usually Friday or Saturday, because I like to record on Saturdays, and if not, I'll post it on Sunday, but I like to have them up before the podcast to see what you all are thinking about in regards to these topics, and you guys had a lot to say. I feel like this is the most engagement I've seen on a story that I posted, like a poll question story that I posted, because I know people aren't always keen on, like, answering, like, the question part, where you actually have to, like, type stuff out, but you guys had a lot to say, and I, I don't know, I'm just really intrigued, really intrigued. So, for the first question I had put, I had asked, um... If since COVID, let me just read it verbatim so it actually makes sense. (laughs) Since COVID, have you felt more or less anxiety about things? I put things because it could be the state of the world, it could be personal stuff. I didn't want to assume. 74% of you said more and 26% said less, which I wasn't really sure what I was expecting, but that definitely wasn't it because I think at the beginning, not beginning, like a month or so in, when we were all kind of quote-unquote forced to stay inside, there was this kind of weird back and forth of like, well, this is so great, we have so much time on our hands, because, you know, the world's on hold, so we can, like, figure ourselves out, but then there started being this back and forth about becoming, like, the next Shakespeare, but also, like, make sure you take the time to take care of yourself, and it's okay if you're a potato, and such, and I 100% agree, I would have said more, um, because it's different, you're alone, or you're with your family, and, uh, I don't know how many of you have an excellent relationship with your family, with, you know, zero speed bumps, but it's, I'm not sure if it's so much that it's more, but that it's, like, more ongoing. I can't blame that feeling on, like, an assignment or, like, a random interaction. It's kind of, it's kind of just being around me (laughs) so much of the day and not interacting with other people, especially having gone to school this past semester, this past year, and then coming back and kind of being isolated so much from like 
being a part of the world in whatever way that means. It's different. The next question I asked was, are you someone who's prone to anxiety? I honestly thought um, 84%, not 84, <laughs> 82% of you guys said definitely, and 18% of you said not really. I was kind of surprised. I thought there would, it would lean more towards not really, because I think in my head, being someone who experiences a lot of anxiety and is prone to anxiety, um, I just feel like everyone has it more together, which I think is just like a general thing. Well, we'll sip a tea. I think that's a general feeling for a lot of people of sort of assuming everyone has it more figured out when that's not the reality but I didn't think like it's both comforting and concerning to know how many of us uh, experience such an overwhelming state of mind more often than not which yeah it's both comforting and kind of concerning but interesting all the same my next question was, do you see anxiety more as a feeling, parenthesis, controllable, comes and goes quickly, or a mental health issue, parenthesis, episodic and disordered? So, 22% of you said a feeling, and 78% of you said a disorder. I personally think both. I think anxiety isn't the best word to describe the feeling, um, but I do think it can be a passing emotion that can be sort of cared for, not cared for, taken care of over the course of a few hours or something if you're experiencing it. Whereas for some people, it may be for like, two weeks to a month of just this ongoing sense of oh no something is wrong and they don't have a lot of control over making it pass it kind of just comes and goes willy-nilly very consistently i feel like i'm definitely more on the other end of the spectrum especially having recognized now the different ways that i experience anxiety because i think a lot of people their understanding of anxiety is just like oh i'm nervous I'm shaky. It's either that or like the, like you, you know the image I'm talking about, like that Tumblr looking white girl who's definitely like quotes milk and honey unironically and cried a lot in elementary school who like shakes and is having like a panic attack and that's like the image people might have in their head for like anxiety as a more disordered thing even when it can look like a lot of different things. It can look like isolating yourself from certain social situations in regards to social anxiety, avoiding certain situations, and or having like these repetitive, ongoing notions of what could possibly go wrong. You know, like it's so different for everyone and I think more people experience it than they realize and it can lead to irritability, it can lead to depression, it can cause a lack of focus. It it really is 
more broad and insidious than people understand and that's why things like high functioning anxiety being praised is so concerning because i don't think people understand just how detrimental it can be trying to or having that be what keeps you going for so long it burns you out very quickly like that's why burnout is a thing <laughs> but um my next question was with that in mind oh sorry i had talked about high functioning anxiety and the whole idea that it's like a positive considered a positive thing a form of perfectionism and with that in mind can anxiety be healthy and i was just trying to figure out how to phrase this question because I didn't want to say, can anxiety be good? Because, like, that's an obvious one. Um, but seeing more, like, well, to see if people think anxiety can be used in any healthy way. Or view that as anxiety being used in a healthy way. I guess it's more what I was wanting to know. And 41, <laughs> I don't know, I stuttered. 41% of you guys said yes. 59% of you guys said no. And a lot of the reasons that, and I put them on my story, I put my responses on the story, so you can always go on my account, it'll be in the highlights, and click through to read my exact responses. But a lot of your responses to that question specifically kind of revolved around the idea that like, like it's just not sustainable. It's so detrimental to your mental well-being and in a society that prioritizes productivity, like, it's just very harmful. And I, I feel like in regards to productivity, it could easily become a capitalism critique, right? Because under capitalism, we're all... We're just bodies, we're just numbers, we're just uh, work power. So when you have this disorder, or in the high-functioning sense, this disorder that guarantees that under capitalism, of course it's okay, of course it's admired and praised, but when you take a step back and really think about the cost of that, like, it, it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's really, it's really, really bad. Um, someone made a really good analogy for it. Um, they had said, um, like anxiety can have positive effects, but it's not healthy. Just like eating a raw burger to where if you eat a raw burger, it'll quench your hunger for the moment. But afterwards, the effects are going to be disastrous and in a similar way that's what anxiety is for productivity like yes it'll make you more productive but it won't be sustainable and the ending effects can become disastrous i also like another point someone had made about anxiety being rooted in traumatic experiences because i think that's important to understand as well even in regards to high functioning anxiety like sure a person can be productive with high functioning anxiety, but understanding that that productivity has come at the cost of their mental well-being and ability to live a high quality of life and the likelihood that those 
patterns of thought, those patterns of actions they can accidentally transmit onto other people and continue that cycle as we see in you know, our society generally, that's important to consider and important to acknowledge. Okay. My next question here was, there's only like, I think one more here. <laughs> Second to last question was, is the current discussion around mental health, parentheses, like destigmatizing and whatnot, effective? 52% of you said yes, 48% of you said no. This one was a tight one consistently, and I found that really funny because um, I'm a no. I don't think our current discussion around mental health um, is as effective as we like to think it is because it's kind of evolved from let's destigmatize and raise awareness to here are some quick solutions that will apply for everyone no matter their circumstance. Everyone should go to therapy, even though insurance commonly doesn't cover therapy. And the communities that need therapy the most often don't have access to therapists that can properly address those communities' concerns. And sort of this commercialization of mental health stuff. And it comes in different forms from like people making dumbass t-shirts related to mental illness but it can also be seen in sort of just just a large circulation of misinformation that happens and leads to things like self-diagnosing and just really bad coping mechanisms which you guys also addressed in your um responses here Ooh, someone responded to when structural violence produce invisible neurodivergencies according to structural identity. Yeah, I think that hits a point that I'm also trying to get at on the low low. It's like it, for like black, indigenous people of color, LGBT people, just marginalized people in general, like mental health treatment is gonna look different. Mental health support is going to look different. So I asked you guys um, about different ways that it could be better, and I again put those on the story, and it ranged from things like speaking out more, abolishing the police, which would make sense, because under the prison industrial complex, if we're just locking up anyone who causes a trouble to society, including the mentally ill, it's not really solving the problem giving more education and providing classes and exercises that can help with coping mechanisms and personal growth, and just the whole idea of spreading good information in regards to mental, just mental health work. And then for my final question, I had asked, what are misconceptions that you think people have about anxiety just things you wish people understood regarding anxiety. And you you guys, you, you really pulled through. Um, someone had said, um, it's not just being shy. And let me just pull, let me just pull it out. See, the one thing about Instagram, side note, 
Um, her interface is kind of confusing when it comes to the stories because there's just a lot of layering happening so I'm trying my best with reading them in a way that makes sense um I wonder if you guys have said it's not just being shy um it can also and people who have anxiety aren't just plain mean and hate people which like is something I hadn't processed until later in life meaning like later in high school when I realized that my social anxiety wasn't just oh I'm socially awkward and I don't like people it's just that I struggle with interacting with people because I feel like people don't like me and I'm very hyper aware of people's perceptions of me which is why I'm hyper aware of how to understand other people because when I'm looking at other people and understanding other people I'm just thinking of all the possible ways they could interpret me which is you know a fun little <laughs> skill that I picked up over the years um, another misconception someone had said is that it's not quirky and cute and you're right it's not another one was sometimes you have it without realizing you're really going through it which is something I've realized more recently um, when people ask me why I'm panicked during a moment of panic most of the time I don't know until later and I feel that to my core just because it's a disorder people think it's easy to manage but there's no universal cure for it and that is a hundred percent true therapy isn't going to work for everybody medication which is a whole complication on its own, is not going to work for everybody. Everybody's anxiety is rooted in different things, meaning it's going to manifest in different ways, meaning the quote-unquote solution for it is going to be different for everyone. And that's not even thinking about what the socioeconomic aspects of it, the cultural aspects of it. It's complicated. Mental health is complicated, especially anxiety. Also, because it's invisible, people assume you're coping well just because you're high-functioning, which is what I said before. Someone had said, for me personally, I struggle with chronic migraines, and that contributes to a lot of other mental health issues, i.e. anxiety, a feeling of people not believing or understanding pain, which I cannot even imagine what that must be like, being someone who doesn't suffer with chronic pain. But I feel for you. Someone, more recently, had added um, another misconception is the guilt that comes with having clinical anxiety slash OCD. Um, anxiety episodes can take a serious toll on you and the people around you, and it sucks having to apologize to people for anxious responses that are uncontrollable. And I feel that to a certain degree as well because kind of getting back to what I was going to get to earlier I also apologize this episode's going to be long but getting back to what I was going to get to earlier one thing I've kind of realized with my own anxiety recently is that I had kind of believed that it was the shaky nervousness that I always associated with productivity and productivity alone and I'm coming to realize that for me 
it affects more aspects of my life than I understood before. For me, anxiety can cause me to be very irritable and snappy. It causes me to sort of isolate myself away from social interactions. If I don't mind the reason why I'm isolating myself away from social interactions in the first place, sometimes I'll go on a whole spree of doing a bunch of things or getting a bunch of ideas and trying to do them all at once in like a borderline mania fashion. I don't want to say mania for sure because actual mania is very different. But the point I'm getting is that it's it ranges so much and I just wish people understood that anxiety isn't as black and white as people think it is. It's not frail and dainty and it isn't scattered and messy either. It kind of just is for a lot of people kind of like having legs or living in Wisconsin, it's subject to change, but for some, the change may be more dramatic than it is for other people. And the reality for me is that my anxiety has framed my understanding of the world, and it's come to define me more as a person than I'm comfortable um, accepting. And so I kind of wrote some examples of ways anxiety manifests in my own life. So, I don't really like shopping anymore unless I have a list that I've been thinking about and settling on for months at a time because spending money brings me an immense amount of fear. When I'm working on a project, it starts to infiltrate my dreams until it's finished, and that comes with homework assignments as well. Every time I talk to a person, no matter how close we are, I constantly think about how I'm saying what I'm saying, how funny I should be, how insightful, how loud, or how quiet. I usually assume they either hate me or like a false version of who I actually am, which is an awful human person. Most of the generous or philanthropic work I do comes from a place of guilt or mania. I constantly think about self-improvement, as in obsessively. It's not healthy, and it's not beneficial. It's awful. All my fixations are just my brain's way of distracting me from the real-life dynamics I'm failing to solidify, so anytime I'm into a new phantom, that's all that is. And while I love creating, I struggle to finish or distribute any of it because I'm obsessively worrying that people don't want it, need it, or care. And it's worse when it feels like that's confirmed. And even when it's not, it's still there. And all of these things are okay because I know that someone was listening to this list and heard one of those things and thought, holy shit, that's me too. So what now? I don't know. I don't know what to do. The funny thing about situations like this is when you've been in it for so long, you get a little cozy. And while I should definitely see a professional at some point, there is no argument about that because I need to unpack my more obsessive tendencies and thought patterns. I think it's okay to be anxious. I think anxiety is okay. 
because anxiety is just a fear of the unknown and you can't cure that because that's what being human is you don't know what's going to happen next but I think one good thing we can all do is be more honest with ourselves about it and be more honest and open with each other about it and have these conversations and I'm really glad that you guys were willing to do that with me over the past day or so because all you can do is your best alright before we go with the theme of the episode in all episodes before we're gonna do a breathing exercise four in, four hold, six out okay in, two three, four hold, two three, four out Two, three, four, five, six, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, Four, out, two, three, four, five, six. Before you go, remember to follow or subscribe wherever you like to listen from to receive future episodes. This podcast is available to listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and Stitcher. And if you want to stay updated on the show or me in general, I'm at Catharaxia everywhere that matters. You're amazing. You're doing what you can. Take care, and I'll see you here next week on Cather's Corner.